The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and He sat beside the sea. A great crowd gathered about Him so that He got into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach and He told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. The birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky soil, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. The Gospel of our Lord. Alright, so we start off with Jesus someplace, and He moves someplace, but most of the parable has to do with soils. And it's one of the most known parables across the planet. Even the atheists and other religions know about this farmer's parable of soils. But before we get into those parables, I want to get back to the, the, the context of what was going on in, on that day before these words were shared. And there's a little bit of a disconnect in there, but in the end it kind of comes around and you can see it for what it is. So Jesus has left a house. He's been staying at a house. He's been teaching and doing ministry in this place. And he was at that place. And now he's leaving that place. And he's moving toward the sea. And as he's walking out of town, no doubt some people in the town notice that, well, hey, there's Jesus. And there's his, his disciples. And they're leaving. And so they start hollering out because they're not, they don't use cell phones and this sort of stuff. They start running around, they start talking to me, hey, Jesus is leaving, his disciples are leaving, let's go. And they start calling out, and they start huddling in masses to start following him. The first one shouts to family, come on quick. The other one hears the shouting. Other people hear the shouting. They see him, and then they decide to follow. Whatever it is, this commotion is building, and now they're starting to follow Jesus as he's leaving the town. And the numbers are growing you know, there might be a pod of five or six families over here, like the Hall clan, and they're, they're coming after. And then someone else sees them, and, and then they start falling. And so they start going from like groups of two and singles and fives to all of a sudden like tens and twenties and thirties. And it becomes this large crowd around Jesus. Um, 
You know, you can imagine that this crowd, there's movement. It's not, he's just not staying in one spot, but there's movement. There's going to be someone in the crowd that really wants to talk to Jesus. And they're going to start butting their way and kind of elbowing in to get close. And there's going to be someone else who might be, maybe it's a mother and a father, and they've got a child that is sick or twisted, have been bitten by something, is on the edge of dying, and there's no way you're going to want to deny a mom and a daddy the, the health of their child or the possibility to have their child be healed. And they're going to be pushing through this crowd too. The catch is everybody's pushing. It's challenged. And then maybe some are going to get smart, and you're going to say, well, I'm going to go around to the other side because he's going that way. I'm going to go in front, and he's going to come towards us, and we don't have to fight the crowd. And so there's movement people maybe running to get in place. It's, it's, not, it's not maybe a polite place. This might not be a, um, a gentle place. It's probably not going to be a quiet place. It's going to be it's a little bit chaotic of a place. Finally, in this if this is an atmosphere, potentially impatient place, Jesus, he keeps going in spite of all this pressing and crowd. And it's going to be dusty. And if it's over there and it's in the, anywhere near the summertime, it's going to be hot. So you've got hot, dusty people all pressing in, all seeking, all wanting, all doing this. That's kind of the scene that's starting us off. Now, he finally gets to the edge of the ocean or the edge of this, the galaxy, and he's there. And it's like, oh, maybe he thinks at last I got to an edge of the water. Because at least now when he looks out, he doesn't see the crowd pressing on him. He just sees the beautiful water and the waves and the landscape on the far side. And, and at least there, the requests and the demands and the shouting. Because when, it's, when there's just a couple of people, we can talk soft and you can hear me. But when you're in a, a, a place where everybody's shouting and everybody's demanding and everybody's requesting, it's going to be loud. And now it's quieting down because he's there and he doesn't have to hear that. And then he gets into the boat. And he gains some space because now it's just him and maybe a couple other people in the boat. The crowd's not all around him and pressing on him. And in that place, in that boat, he starts to notice that there's waves. It's amazing what happens when you slow down. You notice things that you don't notice when you're running. When you slow down, your brain processes things. Your eyes noticing, you hear things, you feel things. You just don't notice when it's busy and fast and chaotic and demanding. In that quiet place, all of a sudden, wow, there's waves. And as it gets more and more calm, they can actually hear the waves as they touch the shore. And then the crowd, looking at all this, running him down, they might be thinking this. Well, is he going to teach us? Is he going to heal us? We've been chasing him. We've been falling around fighting this crowd for an hour or two. Or is, is he going to heal my, my, my family, my friend? Or is he just going to leave? Because he's in the boat. He can just leave. That's the context. It's not, it's not, in those couple of sentences, a lot of stuff's going on. So that's the scene where he's at. Is he going to leave? Now, from this quieting place, um, Jesus begins to look at faces. Because he has a moment to do that. Kind of like when I get to stand here at different points, I get to look around. I get to see each one of you is not like the other person next to you. Each one of you has a history. Each one of you has a, has a story. Each one of you brings a, a different batch of needs and wants and dreams here, right? So Jesus is looking at the people. And he knows, because he's God, he knows what they're looking for, each one unique. He knows that some want to simply be entertained by the Jesus show. 
And it's passing by, and this is my last chance to see. Let's go see this traveling teacher, miracle worker, right? Some are wanting just the show. Some want the teacher's knowledge. Maybe that they want to get this knowledge and they can go home and be smart. Maybe they can make a living off of people paying them to be a teacher. Maybe they just want to get knowledge from Jesus so that they can go debate somebody and, beat the, and win the debate and be, be smarter than them on an argument. Some want to be healed. No doubt they have pain in their life. Physical, real, terrifying pain. And they're seeking him for that. Some in there are wanting him to be the Messiah who's going to set him free from Rome because they are tired of this Roman occupation. They're tired of the extra taxes. They're tired of the oppression and the threats and the, the ugliness that's there. And they want him to be the Messiah so they can get rid of the Romans. And that's what they want out of Jesus. Some of them um, want to witness a miracle so they can believe he's the Messiah. And they won't believe unless they see a miracle. Sometimes people just will not believe until they see Maybe he looks out and he sees a man, not much different than other men, who wants freedom from his life's empty, dull, dry busyness. Maybe he looks out and he sees a woman. And he sees a woman who maybe she's older and and she just wants to be loved and cared for, even in her old age. She doesn't want to be forgotten and discarded. Maybe he sees the children And he sees the hard life that's set before him. And that they're seeking a reason and a purpose and a hope. But when he looks, he sees it all. He sees it all. And in that place, noticing the diversity of needs, hopes, fears, and possibilities, in that place, he offers them this parable. The farmer's parable. He says this. A farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path. and The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly. When the sun came, the plants were scorched. They withered. They had no root. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. And it produced a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Let everybody who hears me listen. Now I can just imagine the disciples at this point, they're looking at each other, and they might be whispering this, they might be whispering as, what was that all about? Right? Jesus in the midst of a crowd with all of this commotion, all these wants, all these needs, all these demands, all these hopes and fears and wounds, all, this, all that drama that is in the life of humanity. He's in that midst. And in that presence, when it's finally calm, he's at the edge of the sea, he's in the boat and he's telling them something, he gives them this parable. What is that all about? They were not the only ones wondering about Jesus' parable. When the disciples notice and they look around, they notice the confusion and the wonder on the faces of the people who are with them gathered by the sea. In that place, surrounded by those great crowds, he offers the farmer's parable of seed and soil and fruitfulness. That's what he did. And it could have been the end of the parable. We could have said today, here's a parable of the farmer, the gospel of our Lord and gone on with the message, but that wasn't the end of the story. 
After a few awkward moments, the disciples say to the Lord, and this is not in the verses that we read today. They cut it out. We read the first batch of verses, and we read the last batch. But right here in the middle, there's this, this verse that they say. They said, Lord, why do you speak to the people at times like this in parables? What about teaching them the mysteries of the universe? Why not talk to them about life and death and all the questions that they have as they approach life and death? Lord, why not talk and give them wisdom for the leaders? Lord, why not talk to the commitment of husbands and wives to love each other until death and to cherish each other no matter what? As you cherish them, they cherish each other. Lord, why not talk to families about holiness and righteousness? Jesus, why not talk about obedience to the codes of God that make this world more like heaven? Jesus, why didn't you bring healing and hope and talk about the coming of the kingdom of God? Instead, Jesus, you give them the farmer's parable. So Jesus then, in the verses 10 through 17, he shares them these words. Now within these verses, there's a key that will help us understand the first part of the parable and the explanation. But more than that, the key to understanding them, it's a key to understanding this eternal, merciful, loving heart of God our Father and the mission that he gave his son Jesus. It's intended being the same heart and mission for all those that are God's people, his church. In Matthew chapter 13, now verse 15, it says this. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes. And they might hear with their ears. And they might understand with their hearts. And they would turn to me and I would heal them. The heart of God is love. And from this loving heart of God comes Jesus, and it is his mission to bring healing. More than that, to include all creation and all of God's children in this healing project. Jesus is saying, I am planted here. God sent me from heaven to this earth and has planted me here among you so that you might see with your eyes and hear with your ears that you would understand with your hearts and you would turn to me, church, and I will heal you. You want to understand the parable? That's what it's about. See, in the parable, Jesus invites them to reflect upon the kind of people that they are, the kind of soil that you are. How are you receiving this Son of God, this seed of God in the form of Jesus? And another way of saying that the Father is planting again His Son into the very world, has given us His way, His truth, and His life, everything that will set us free and give us true life here and now. And He's asking us in this parable to wisely consider, are you receiving it or not? Are you sharing it or not? And in this parable, Jesus invites them to recognize that this gift of the Father in His Son is an extravagant gift. It is a most expensive gift. That the Father in Heaven knows that He's given His Son even to the people that have hearts of massive stone or hearts like gravel. He doesn't care about that. He is going to give His gift and He's going to try. And He's going to expose them to Jesus, breaking them down to be good soil. 
He knows what we are, and still He sends us His Son. So that we might see with our eyes. That we might hear the truth with our ears. That we would understand with our hearts. And every day and every moment we would continuously turn to Him and be healed. This is a world famous parable. On that day in that place, Jesus did a rare thing. A very rare thing. He explains a parable. With honesty and with love, he explains this parable. And he does so because it is that important. So he says in verse 18 to 23, he says, Listen to what this parable means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the seed sown on the path. The one who receives the seed that fell on rocky places, that's the person who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The one who receives the seed that falls among the thorns is the person who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth Choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who receives the seed that falls on good soil is the person who hears the word and understands it. And they produce a crop yielding 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what was sown. Jesus' words. I don't think there's anything that a bishop a pastor, a Bible theologian, or any person that's a Christian can do to add to his words. I think that everyone, that everyone who hears these words spoken by God today in this parable, that every one of us is stirred uniquely. We're not stirred anywhere near the same, but we are still stirred by his words. And if only for a moment we are stirred, but we're still stirred And we're stirred to reflect upon how we are conducting our lives. Even if only for a few minutes minutes after hearing Jesus' words, I think everyone, at least for a little bit, ponders, Lord, am am I a hard stone type of soil? Lord, am I a path kind of soil? Lord, am I shallow dirt? Lord, how could I be more fruitful? Lord, how could I be good soil? And this last week, I might have been all three at the same time. Lord, make me good soil. That's pondering. That kind of pondering is good. That pondering reflects that you are being exposed to God's nature, that you are hearing His Word, and His Word is getting into your head and into your ears and into your hearts, and it's calling you to be more with Him. It's calling you to turn to Him and more fully live. It reflects God working to break us in areas of our lives that are stone so that we could be gravel and gravel places into good soil. And so we come here again and again and again for exposure. And here we pray. 
And here we sing the songs of faith. Here we hear God's word proclaimed to us as if it was Jesus saying it for the first time to us. It works and it's effective in us. We participate in his presence. We are communing with him in this banquet table of heaven in this place. And it's all connected to the parable that we might receive God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we might see more clearly with our eyes, that we will hear more clearly with our ears, that our hearts would understand that on this day and in this place, yet again, we would turn and we would be healed. That's the first part. And the second part, that we'd be good soil, that we would be fruitful, that we would share this good news of God's love and God's kingdom with each other, that we would share with it what we've been gifted. We would share forgiveness. With the world, when the world sees us, that they would see people who love. When the world sees with us, they would see people who are patient. When the world sees us, they would see people who are, who are healthy in their Lord, though their bodies could be coming apart. That when the world sees us, they will get a glimpse of Jesus. That our soil is reflecting the seed that is growing in us. That is the second part, the fruitfulness. He pours out his seed that the seed might bring life. And the world is looking for this. Good soil. It's about receiving the Son of God. The stone can't receive the seed. The seed lays on top and it dies. Ants eat it, birds eat it, something else happens. Not to be that. We're to be good soil. Receiving the Son of God is knowing Jesus. That's being good soil. And then, the, but the second part is connected to the first. When you're good soil, you make Jesus known. You share what you've been given. The two parts that we've mentioned over the last several months: simple, that you know Jesus and you make Him known. The parable of the sower: you receive your Lord and you make your Lord known. And every one of us has been tooled differently. Every one of us. Someone in this world can only hear this message if you say it. And some of the world is going to get sick and disgusted looking at the busyness and the, and the massiveness and the corruption within the church. But when they see you, they might see a gentle, faithful person who just admits when they mess up, says they're sorry, and prayerfully gets back on track. And maybe in you, they'll see integrity. Not perfection, just someone who's trying to live what they say. And you're the only one that can do that. The people following Jesus from town now to the lake. Now they watch him get from the shoreline and into the boat. And they probably wondered, is he going to leave? Isn't he going to teach? He's not going to heal? Probably wondered that. I want to let you know that I think the world sees that in the church today. When the world sees us, they ask, are they going to share their faith? Are they going to teach us? Are they going to help us? Christians, are you going to listen to my story? Are you going to share my burden if only by listening? Or are you just going to walk away? Because we're Jesus' body on earth. And the world watches us. Will we teach? Will we bring healing? Or are we just going to leave? And on this day, the church says, we're going to be good soil. 
God, help us be good soil. On this day, we pray that the heart of God is in us. And this day, we pray that the mission of Jesus is in us, that we are linked, that on this day, we will say, God, make us good soil. I don't want to be good soil, but God, make me good soil. And and we'll say, God, help me to know you. I really don't want to know you because I don't want to surrender to you. I want to be in charge. I want to be in charge of my life, self-autonomous, self-determining, everything. But God, make me what you need me to be. And then the last thing is then, God, help me make you known. So when the world sees me, they see you. They don't see perfection. They see someone who's begging for forgiveness, who's grateful for the love and the life, and I'll make you known. That's what we're praying for today as a church. And it all gets started up with a parable about a farmer sowing seed on soil. God, make us good soil. Amen.